Hello, my darlings, and welcome back to Radio Wasteland, the best in paranormal talk radio. I'm your host, Chauncey Haworth, and this is my co-host, Kara Kittrick. Hello. Kara, do you have any news for us this evening? I certainly do. Um, so it was a slow week in UFO news, but uh, Canadians saw UFOs at a rate of three per day in 2017, according to a report by ufologist Christopher Rutkowski. The organization he belongs to, Ufology Research, which researches ufology, has been collecting uh, Canadian UFO reporting data since 1989. Most of the sightings came from Quebec and Ontario, with British Columbia a distant third. Um, In conspiracy news, YouTube announced one day ago that it will no longer promote conspiracy videos in its recommended videos for users. Examples offered by the company include, quote, promoting a phony medical uh, miracle cure for a serious illness, claiming that the earth is flat, or making blatantly false claims about historic events like 9-11. Admittedly, three things I can't stand, but the full scope of this policy remains unknown. These videos will remain available to watch, but YouTube won't help users find them. And also... Internet theorists are insisting that Ruth Bader Ginsburg is actually dead and has been replaced by a lookalike. A Washington Post reporter who covered her first public appearance since her cancer surgery in December reports receiving a huge volume of accusatory mail asking probing questions about her appearance and intimating that he may be in on a cover-up. The conspiracy theory originated from an anonymous user on a conspiracy message board, but was picked up by right-wing bloggers and pundits, including Sebastian Gorka, former advisor to President Trump and far-right activist. Listeners are advised that friends and loved ones may have also been replaced by body doubles to cover up their deaths, and you should trust no one. Even small changes in gait, appearance, or behavior could be a sign that a relative has been replaced. Experts advise quizzing potential body doubles on past events before divulging any personal information. Back to you, Chauncey. Uh, okay, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg <laughs> lookalike. Uh, you know, this this makes me think of a couple of things. For, for one, <clears throat> she's a fairly unique-looking woman. Good luck finding somebody in her right. age bracket to replace <laughs> her that is going to be some super healthy person to... Uh, you can do anything Replace with makeup with the, these with days. With the liberal agenda. So, yeah, it might yeah. be Gary Oldman. Again, <laughs> you know, it might be uh, Dustin Hoffman yeah. or one you know, just a great character actor. Little plastic surgery, a little makeup. Right. You know. Might be the, uh, who's the the effects guy they always hire? He's in Star Trek Discovery, and he was also Abraham Sapien in Hellboy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget his name, but he's like the guy, the go-to guy. Like Andy Serkis? Oh, yeah, maybe him, too. Maybe <laughs> Andy Serkis. Yeah, also... Andy Serkis is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> oh, apologies to Ruth Bader Ginsburg and yeah. Andy Serkis, actually. Yeah, totally. Apologies to both of them. And then they're also warning us that all sorts of other people might be repl- replicants, right? <laughs> uh, no. I, I added that to oh, okay. I underscore say, their foolishness. Okay, I was going to say it'd be awesome if all the other <laughs> replicants, if like all of a sudden I went home and my wife was replaced with a Ruth Bader Ginsburg lookalike. No, okay, you know. <laughs> so the the thrust of this conspiracy theory was that, you know, she had cancer surgery. <clears throat> she had a serious medical issues, and she hadn't been seen in public since December, and so people were saying, you know, if she was actually dead, right, would yeah. li- liberals really tell us, you I, know. I get it. I get which it. is... 
I think the most disturbing <laughs> Which part... Which is ridiculous, but whatever. I think the most disturbing part about this story is that somebody who actually worked in the cabinet is, is supporting this. Well, to be fair, it is Sebastian Gorka. I don't know what that means. Uh, he's kind of a loon. He's kind and, of, what was he doing in there anyway? <laughs> yes, it is scary that he worked in the cabinet. He was there for a relatively short time, although everyone in the cabinet was there for a relatively short yeah, time. Yeah, I guess by that argument, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, and then YouTube videos pulling this stuff out. That's uh, that's pretty yeah, interesting. This is sort of that kind of freaks me out, actually. Well, this is the so- social media push against um, Russian involvement, right? right? And Which so I don't now mind, they've expanded but... it to this. Here's my thing. I I like this policy, but I I don't like that YouTube, which is basically a corporate monopoly, right? Yeah, is the one making these decisions. Like, if anyone has to make decisions about what happens on about people's ability to share and create content, I. Uh, I mean, it, it should be the government. At least we can vote for them. But it shouldn't be anybody. You I know? agree. I, <laughs> I think it's really shady that people put out, like, fake cures for people who are, like, dying. I think yeah, that I, that's I hate really that. shady. But I also think it's shady that YouTube apparently right. knows which cures work and which ones don't. I think that's right. a little bit weird. Yeah, they're making the determination. And to yeah. a certain extent, I'm like, okay, if you claim, you know, 9-11 was an inside job or or... There's, you know, ginseng cures cancer or, or something crazy like that. There are there are obvious things, but really the classic problem with this is where do you draw the line? There's always going to be there's always going to be gray area things, and I imagine it won't be long before we start hearing about them. Yeah, well, I think this is something that our country falls victim to on a regular basis, yeah. and uh, that is fixing the symptom instead of the problem. Mm-hmm. The problem is people are stupid. And they yeah, well, go onto you YouTube that? and they read stuff and they believe it. Yeah. Um, you know, check your sources. All all I'm asking people to do is check your sources. You know, yeah. I, I think last week <laughs> yeah, I was I talking about how my wife has decided to chase back any crappy comments that are on any social media and nine out of ten times she finds out that these crappy comments are coming from bots or or oh, people yeah. from other countries that have no profile whatsoever. Right, they're um, just, you know, building up. And it's, it's crazy, you know, but people mm-hmm. are putting all of this investment, you know, um, on the business show that I do, we were talking about how like 60% of people get their news from social media. Yeah. And it's yeah, insane. True. How do you get your news from other people <laughs> who aren't news reporters? Like, uh, I, I realize that we're all opposed to the media, but, you know, get out there and fix the media. Find media that's support Right. But don't expect your next-door neighbor, Chuck, to have the cure for cancer because Chuck doesn't have the cure for cancer. <laughs> He's in the same boat you are. You don't know Chuck, Chauncey. I, I guess I, <laughs> I trust this guy. <laughs> and then uh, Canadian UFO sightings, well, that's, uh, you know, that's the population of Canada is 36 million, so that's like yeah. 1 in 10 a day. I mean, 1 in 10 right. million Canadians see a UFO a day. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It is pretty crazy. And, I mean, to be fair, UFO sightings, 90, 99% are, are always going to be, you know, just unidentified objects that could be identified if maybe they were they're, seen by someone else. Yeah, maybe but, they're here for ice. <laughs> maybe the aliens are here for ice. Yeah. You know, because I constantly see like, on the news it shows the north of the United States and they're just all dead blizzards. 
And then up above that, that's Canada. They just live in a death blizzard. They're totally fine with it. We're like a galactic 7-Eleven. They're just, like, stopping in. It's like, uh, my fridge is busted. Let me right. suck up this glacier. All right. So uh, tonight's guest, Long oh, Strickler, yes. and we I are, are looking talking forward to about this. Mothman. Uh, this sure is Kara's favorite cryptid. Uh, and so I'm pretty kind of excited to learn about this because I view Mothman as being one of those cryptids with, you know, not a lot of not a lot of meat on its Careful bones. Careful what you, you say, know? Chauncey. Not a lot of meat on its bones. Yeah, okay. Well, I like them anyway. You know? Yeah. All right. All right, so you are <laughs> listening to Radio Wasteland, and when we come back, we are talking Mothman. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland, and our guest, Lon Strickler. We're talking about Mothman and his book, Mothman Dynasty, Chicago's Winged Humanoids. Uh, Lon, do we have you there with us? I'm here. All right, well, this has been a topic that we've been pretty excited about. Kara, my co-host here, uh, we've... We've had a lot of talks about cryptids, mm-hmm. and this is easily her favorite uh, cryptid. So we're yeah, I'm I'm all I'm kind of a Mothman evangelical. I want everyone to know about Mothman. So this is the first time we've actually had a, a guest who's actually an expert on the show, although we have talked about it a little before. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. Yeah. So uh, I'll start out asking you, you know, uh, why why Mothman? You know, what got you interested in Mothman as opposed to anything else? Well, this kind of fell into my lap. Um, we started getting reports. Well, the earliest reports came in 2011, uh, August, September, and October. There were mm-hmm. three separate reports in the southwest part of Chicago. Uh, people were describing this thing as a uh, winged humanoid, and... People were saying it kind of reminded them of the Mothman of Point Pleasant. Well, and that was I don't in know the 50s, that, right? I don't know if that's a fact, but I mean that's what people were saying. So what happened was um, after that occurred, you know, and I, I've been looking into this phenomenon for a lot of years. I mean, I had an encounter in, in 1988 in Pennsylvania that mm. may have well been. A winged humanoid, uh, but you know this is just something that's it's part of what I do. I've been reporting cryptids and the paranormal for almost forty years now. Been investigating, and you know I've been writing a blog since two thousand and five. Well, anyway, in uh, in two thousand seventeen, there was a report of a winged humanoid in Oz Park in Chicago. Uh, this was reported on the MUFON CMS, and the witness was an attorney who was walking her dog at night. She came across this being that was standing in the park, um, about seven foot tall, she said. It had structures that were in on its back that were higher than, you know, the uh, top of its head. And when it turned to look at her, it had bright red eyes. Uh, the dog cowered behind her, and this thing just jettisoned into the air without unfurling its wings. And when it got to a certain apex, it took off and started screaming. That was the first uh, recent sighting. That's terrifying. And since then, there have been several sightings. 
throughout Chicago. I'd say we had about 55 sightings in Chicago and its uh, suburbs in 2017. And at this point, uh, we have been picking up sightings from the southern Wisconsin, central and northern Indiana, and other parts of Illinois. And right now, we are up to 78 sightings. Man, that is that is a lot of sightings. So in Chicago, is this something that's that's sort of like a buzz for the people in Chicago, or is this still uh, still on the outskirts of of most people's thoughts? Well, it was it was kind of um, you know the the press kind of laid off of it, and uh, when Vice dot com picked up the story of one of the sightings, that's when it started picking up some steam. At that point, I was getting ready to write a book about the sightings. So, uh, you know, I had talked to Vice earlier and plus a lot of the, you know, other, uh, uh, news outlets in, uh, in Chicago. And of course, I did a lot of radio shows as well. So it started picking up. We were getting sightings. And in fact, I was getting most of the sighting reports, though I had team that was also getting reports. Uh, I had some investigators in the Chicago area, and, uh, you know, our cumulative uh, sightings were the ones that we reported on, and, you know, but, you know, God knows how many, how many people saw something and never reported it. Yeah. Right, I see. So, you know, it, it seems to me like of all the cryptids, you said you've been reporting on cryptids uh, for years, it seems to me like Mothman is one that that really sort of carries the most amount of supernatural connotations to it because it seems just so odd. You know, everything else on the planet, you know, uh, you know, we've all evolved in a way and there's the arms and there's the tree and we can see how things evolve and so Bigfoot makes some sort of evolutionary sense. But Mothman to me it's like it seems almost supernatural. You know, what are your takes on that? Well, there's no real uh, indigenous rhyme or reason for this thing. Uh, the sighting in uh, the sightings in Point Pleasant in '66 and '67 were of a uh, insectoid type winged humanoid that had wings like a moth, basically. Now there were some variations, but it had the red, yeah, red eyes, the uh, the small uh, stunted head, but. It, it seemed to be very aggressive, and uh, there were approximately 30 sightings before the eventual um, Silver Bridge collapse, just before Christmas in 67. And 46 people died as a result of that uh, of the uh, bridge failure, and uh, the Mothman was supposedly seen before the uh the event and uh it was kind of called the harbinger or a portent of doom and was kind of blamed for the eventual disaster now i don't really buy into that and in fact when these sightings in chicago started there were, of course, people asking about whether well, this is a harbinger or some type. And, of course, I can't answer that. But, 
you know, be quite honest with you, back in when it when it got to around July and August of 2017, I was literally getting 20 to 25 phone calls each day and night from just regular citizens in the Chicago area that were worried that they were going to face some type of disaster. Hmm. So I was really getting, I mean, I was really on my toes that, that two months. I always so, thought, uh, I always thought with these Point Pleasant sightings that the connection of the Harbinger and the catastrophe, I always thought it was like a little bit loose and it was a little odd that people made this connection. It was kind of like, um, you know, kind of uh, witch trial-y. It was a yeah. little too uh, panicky to make the connection out of. I always thought it was a little bit weird that people would say, oh, we saw this thing and that's why the bridge fell. Uh, I don't know. It it seems a little get well, ready to burn Frankenstein know, or something. You know? Point Pleasant and the environs, I mean, Point Pleasant is a fairly small town. And uh, when you get a disaster that killed 46 of the residents, they, they, people invariably got to blame it on something. And I guess it was type, you know, kind of excuse as to what happened. And in fact, the official report eventually came out that there had been, uh, bolts that had been rusted. But, you know, it was basically the, um, that when these, these winged beings show up, it's supposed to be like a precursor. Right. Disaster. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there have been other, there have been other disasters where people said they have seen winged humanoids. Uh, Chernobyl was one. The really? Fukushima, uh, nuclear disaster, people said they were seeing these flying beings. So, you know, I, I guess you can take it with a grain of salt, but, you know, so far in Chicago, we really haven't seen any type of, uh, any type of disaster and such that can be attributed to uh, the sighting of these beings. Yeah, well, that would explain why it moved to Chicago. Apparently, it got a bad rap, you know, because like <laughs> didn't like the small town environment, <laughs> right? You know? you know, it's like I'm getting blamed. I tried to warn these people, <laughs> and now they're getting all pissed. You know, they want to kill me. Um, well, uh, Lon, we're coming up on break here, so um, you know, let's uh, let's plug your book for a second and. Uh, where can people find your book? Uh, a reminder to people, the book is called Mothman Dynasty, Chicago's Winged Humanoids. Uh, where can people buy that? No, they can get it on Amazon. All they got to do is uh, search my name, Lon Strickler, and uh, it'll come up. Sounds good. All right. You are listening to Radio Wasteland and our guest, Lon Strickler. We're talking about Mothman. Come on back. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland and our guest, Lon Strickler. We're talking about Mothman here. Uh, Lon, in the first segment there, you talked about one of the things that got you interested in this is you had your own experience in sighting, and that definitely piqued my interest. Can you tell me what your experience was? Well, this happened in um, uh, the fall of 1988. Uh, I was uh, I had met up with a an old friend that I had gone into Boy Scouts with when I was a kid. So we happened to run into each other and, and he's he's actually he was actually a scoutmaster then. And he asked me about a um about something that was going on in the old Camp Conawago 
uh, campground. And uh, he said he was telling me that a lot of the uh, kids and their and their you know, troops and such were being run out of the, the woods near the the campground because of these unknown screams. Hmm. Uh, the kids were freaking out. They were packing up and leaving. So he said he and a friend were going up to the uh, the campground that next weekend. He asked if I wanted to tag along. So I said sure. So the next weekend, and you said, uh, uh, we up. <laughs> Lon, and you said, uh, and you said unknown screams. So you all of a sudden were in. That seems terrifying. <laughs> oh yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to know what that was. Yeah, yeah. all right. So all right. Uh, horror movie character logic. <laughs> so we got to the uh, we got to the camp, you know, the camp, and then we uh, met up and hiked into the woods, and we set up camp along the uh, Conewago Creek. So the first night was pretty uneventful. We all, we each of us had a tent. We had three tents, and uh, we did hear something walking around in the campsite, though I thought it was probably one of those guys getting up to use a latrine or such, so I didn't really know. But we mentioned it the next morning. So it was a nice day, so we got up and had breakfast and started uh, hiking around the woods and such, and we were out most of the day. Pretty thick woods, too. That time of year is a lot of underbrush. So um, a lot of wildlife as well. So we got back to the campsite about 6 o'clock in the evening, and uh, we started getting something to eat, sitting around the fire, talking. We Actually, we were talking about football. And, uh, you know, off and on, I would get up and stretch my legs and walk around. So uh, about 11 o'clock... All of a sudden, this loud scream came from the west, and it was coming in and out. I thought at first it was probably an owl or maybe an eagle, but I didn't know. So uh, it, it screamed again, and, yeah, this thing sounded like a child screaming. And uh, it had gotten closer, then it kind of faded out again. So we got up and walked around, around the campsite. We didn't see anything, so... We sat back down and started talking some more, trying to figure out what it was that we heard screaming. Well, anyway, I guess around 12.30, 1 o'clock, I got up again to stretch my legs. And I walked over by the trail along the creek, and I just had this sense that something was watching us. So I went back to the campfire, and I told those guys, I said, why don't we get up and just walk along the, the trail a bit, see if we see anything out, you know. So... They said, yeah, so we got up and, you know, we didn't walk more than 50 foot away from the campsite. And to the right of us in the creek, and the creek was shallow at this time, and the moonlight was really, really good that night. We saw this being, this whatever, standing in the middle of the creek. It was dark, and it had these red eyes. And by the time we got the flashlights on this thing, it just whooshed up into the air. It jettisoned like a rocket. And a couple seconds later, we heard it screaming. And as it flew away from us, and it, you know, faded out. So I guess we freaked out a bit. We got back to the campsite. My buddy, uh, he didn't want to stay. He wanted to go up the administration building and spend the night. I don't blame so, him. Uh, 
uh, the other guy asked, and he was pretty, the other guy was pretty calm. He said, did you notice anything on his back? Which I did, because it kind of looked like there were folded wings on his back. But, you know, I never saw any wings unfurl. And, uh, you know, I said, yeah, I did notice it. And, of course, we all noticed the red eyes. So they uh, they went up, the other two guys went up to the administration building and spent the night up there. I wanted to see what was going on, so I stayed around the campsite. But, you know, I nothing else happened that night, so I really did, you know, didn't get a look at it beyond that. Though, when I wrote about this about 20 years later on my blog, I get a, uh, I got a comment from a guy who lived at Dick's Dam, which was upstream from the location. And he was telling me he's heard these screams for years. He never knew what it was. And, uh, not long after that, I guess about a month after I got another email from a scout, a scout leader who told me, he said, you know, we were at Camp Conawaga not long ago and the boys in my troop came running back one one early evening and swore up and down that there was a dragon, a six-foot-tall dragon, standing in the trail, not far from where we were camped at. And they said it it was, you know, it had looked like it had feathers and a tail, but they said it was a dragon. You know, of course, he thought they were nuts, or they were just playing games with him. So he kind of dismissed it. He didn't even bother going up to look, see what was going on. Nothing else had happened the rest the weekend for them. So, but when he saw what I had written, well, then he had second thoughts. He said, well, maybe they did see something. So anyway, the last sighting that we have had along the Conewago Creek that I know of was about three years ago. And, uh, from the point along the Conewago Creek at the campsite, then when it run along, runs along and goes eastbound toward the Susquehanna River is about a 20 mile stretch. I've had about five sightings over the years. Really? Reported to me. Man, that, that is a lot. So, you know, that, that kind of prompts my question. Of the of these 78 sightings that you're referring to in Chicago, you know, how many of those do you think are credible? That's just the ones I think are credible. Oh, oh I see. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. That yeah. is a lot of sightings. I mean, there, were, there were several that we didn't, uh, that we didn't even bother with. I mean, you know, there weren't many. I tell you, the one the one thing about these sightings and the reports, and look, we got them from all over the city, all over the region, you know, all races, creeds, everything. I mean, this is, you know, they run the gamut as far as people that made reports. And um, some people are closer than others. Uh, some had very close encounters. And, uh, but they, people just didn't embellish on the story. Which is unusual. You know, normally when you get somebody to call you or send a report in, and then when you talk to them, um, the second time, you know, that they communicate with is sometimes, most times, there's some type of embellishment or they say, well, I remember this that I forgot about or something like that. I see. But like this thing left such a great impression on them that even when I tried to prod them to elaborate on their story they wouldn't do it i see that's amazing so yeah that adds to the credibility if they're consistent and uh yeah you know i mean how much embellishing do you need to do if you've seen a seven-foot creature with red eyes and wings 
Yeah, right. well, I mean, well, you know, that the, sticks the, in your the mind. Sightings them, <laughs> the sightings themselves, the early sightings were of a, a Mothman-like being, and then subsequently we got two or three sightings that were described like an Owlman or a Lacusa. Uh, they were all six foot, seven foot tall. Hmm. Some had the red eyes. We had wingspans of anywhere from 10 to 12 foot. But I'd say 95% of the sightings since then have been the uh, bat-like or gargoyle-like wings, which really isn't anything indicative of what people saw in Point Pleasant. But the Mothman moniker kind of stuck to people. Right. And, uh, well, it's, you know, it, you'll see too many winged humanoid sightings around, especially in a major city like Chicago. Yeah, and it's easy so, for people uh, to fill in the. Uh, it's easy for people to fill in the blanks when they're looking in the dark. Sure. All right, you're listening sure. to Lon Strickler. We're coming up on break time. We're talking about Mothman. So uh, you know, come on back, and uh, we got some more questions for him. The big question. The big question. What you think it might? Is it speculative and stuff like that? But you know, what are you speculating? Personally, I believe it is flesh and blood. I believe there have been at least three of these beings in the Chicago area, uh, maybe more. But I believe that is most likely a interdimensional being. It's something that's coming through from another reality, which is the same thing I believe the Mothman at Point Pleasant was. And, you know, we've had these winged humanoid sightings worldwide but those I investigated in the United States and Canada, uh, they all seem to be something that's fleeting, comes in and out, and uh, is not indigenous, and then just doesn't live on our Earth plane. Uh, we have had two witnesses, one in Chicago and another in Rockford, Illinois, who stated to us that they saw this winged being literally disappeared like it was going through a gateway. That would explain the so, uh, big time differences in the sightings, I guess. Yeah, I guess, but, you know, there, there, you know, there are a lot of variables as far as these sightings. Some of them were more localized, uh, you know, as opposed to some of the others. Then some, like you said, some of them, were a great distance away of other sightings. So, yeah, I, you know, that very well may be it, but I just don't think this thing resides on our Earth plane. And for whatever reason, why it's coming here, is it being summoned for some reason? Uh, you know, it's all, like you said, it's all speculative. And, uh, but, you know, the team I work with, everybody seems to have their own theory on this. And if you get the book, uh, each of my team members has included their theory on what it is as well. But uh, that's that's the theory I'm sticking with at this point until it's proven otherwise to me. What about intelligence? Do you think it's like a sentient like us, or do you think it's like an animal, or you know, uh, any any idea there? Well, that's hard to tell. I mean, it does seem instinctive, but uh, who knows what that means. I mean, there may be some type of higher intelligence. It, it may be controlled somehow. 
I I just don't know. And you know, and you know, because of the sightings and the things that we have gotten from witnesses, it, it's kind of difficult to make a determination. Yeah, I figured. But the reason why I ask is because, like, if it is like an animal and it is interdimensional, you know, maybe it's passing through on accident. Yeah. You know, there have been a lot of uh, speculation that uh, Bigfoot is interdimensional or even the Loch Ness Monster is traveling through time accidentally through portals. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I was just kind of throwing the possibility out there that it's accidentally coming here and going back. Well, I, I think most cryptid sightings, uh, those that cannot be proven to be indigenous are interdimensional beings. Um, you know, there's a lot of connection with Bigfoot sightings as far as UFO activity and uh, other paranormal anomalies. Uh, I think when you look at the big picture, a lot of this stuff is tied together. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um is there any, um, like with other cryptids, you know, some is nefarious, some is questionable, some is pretty good, but is there any physical evidence that we know of of Mothman, or is it all sightings? No, it's, it's, all, um, it's all anecdotal. We've had some indiscernible photographs uh, because of the fleeting nature of this thing, or it shows up at night, it's hard to get a photograph. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, but no, you know, it's just, we just do not have anything but anecdotal evidence. But a lot of anecdotal evidence, right. to be fair. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of it out there. <laughs> and it varies, too. I mean, you know, it's not like you're a cookie-cutter explanation or, or description. Uh, even though most of the sightings are, are very similar, uh, there, there tends to be uh, some variations. And uh, people who report it stick with what they tell me. And, uh, you know, I'm going back and talk to a lot of these witnesses afterwards, and they just have not changed their story. So um, do you think that there's any sort of a correlation or relation between Mothman and uh, the Jersey Devil? No. No? They're... No, I, don't, I, I can't really find one. And in fact, the Jersey Devil is, is kind of hard to... Uh, take too serious, I believe. I mean, there have been, uh, you know, the sightings of this this being that people call the Jersey Devil, they actually really started down in Maryland and, and Delaware and moved up toward New Jersey and went into the uh, the Pine Barrens. Uh, whatever that is people are seeing, you know, it may be a, a winged humanoid or a type of winged cryptid, but then again, we've got very little evidence of this thing. And uh, there seems to be more folklore behind it than anything else. Yeah, I see. All right. Well, we're coming up on the end here, so let's talk a little bit about your blog, phantomsandmonsters.com. Uh, you've been running it since, I think you said, 2005? Yeah. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been doing a daily blog since 2005. It's, um, I've got a free subscription to people who want it in their email. Right now, we've got about 30,000 subscribers, daily subscribers, plus we have the feed. Uh, I'm on Facebook, so a lot of the social media is connected to it. And I also do a radio show at Arcane Radio. And where can they, uh, where can they find the radio show? Uh, via- oh, they can go to paranormalking.com, or they can go to uh, my website at Fams and Monsters and click on the Arcane Radio banner. 
and the podcast are accessible from there. And if you would, uh, remind our audience where they can get their hands on your book. Actually, I will do it for you. You can get it at Amazon.com. And uh, the book is called Mothman Dynasty, Chicago's Winged Humanoids. And uh, you got quite a few other books up here as well, Cryptid Encounters, Unexplained Encounters. Uh, really, Lon, it has been a lot of fun talking to you, especially on this topic, because... You know, this is something that we really knew nothing about, yet we always talk about it because, I don't know, it's, it's, it's ex- in a world of mystery, it's extra mysterious. Yeah. Well, I agree with that. I mean, it's something that's been uh, an enigma to me all these years, but hopefully we're getting closer to making, getting an explanation. I agree. All right. Lon, well, thank you very much for being on the show. You've been listening to Lon Strickler here on Radio Wasteland. Don't forget to check out his website, phantomsandmonsters.com, and also check us out on the next show. All right, you've been listening to our guest, Lon Strickler, talking about his book, Mothman Dynasty, Chicago's Winged Humanoids, and Mothman in general. Kara, what would you think? I found that to be totally convincing. Yeah, his story was crazy, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it it was. And, like, even if he just made up a convincing-sounding story, which I don't think he did at all. Yeah. 78 people, you know. That's and lot, then there's yeah. the Point Pleasant sightings, and then there was all the other winged humanoid sightings, although that's that's not that many. It's mainly just Chicago and Point Pleasant. Yeah, but, when he was talking about other winged humanoids, I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't know any others. Other yeah, than- I, I, I've heard of them. I, I'd have heard of winged humanoid sightings around Chernobyl and stuff, but and Fuku- Fukushima. But like those are those, those aren't as good. That's not as many people saw them, and they're questionable sources. I don't know that they're questionable sources. There's just not the sheer number of eyewitnesses. I see. So yeah, I mean, which is what I find so convincing and mysterious about this. What I found convincing and mysterious about. Point Pleasant, and then when it started happening in Chicago, or at least when I got sort of clued into it, which was after our cryptid show, I was like, oh, it's happening again, yes! Yeah, so I was going <laughs> to ask you, you know, why Mothman? Why are you so into Mothman as opposed to something else? And and really, it's the the, the sheer number of sightings all at once. Right. I, I find it very credible that something's happening, and that's why I'm, I'm into it. I'm and I also love that I can't even begin to speculate what on earth we're even dealing with. You know, I don't think it's like an animal because, you know, people are describing it doing weird, impossible things, you know, shooting straight up without unfurling your wings. Like, creatures don't do that. And seven foot tall creatures don't fly to begin with. The baddie from Jeepers Creepers does it. <laughs> you ever seen okay. the movie Jeepers Creepers? <laughs> No, I haven't. You slap a gray mullet on Mothman. I mean, that's pretty much what you got, you know, and a cowboy hat. I I, I forget the point I was making. Oh, I'm sorry. That uh, you were you were basically saying right. that uh, that it defies logic. Yes, it does. And yet, I also think that these sightings happened. Yeah. So yeah. what am, what on earth am I supposed to make of that? It confuses me in the best way, and I love that feeling. What what was your take on the interdimensional thing? I think it's as good as any explanation. I as a okay, yeah, as I was saying, I don't think it could be an animal because animals can't do that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, an animal that size just just can't. 
And, you know, there's never been a body. There's There aren't any footprints. There aren't any feathers, you know. There, there's nothing like that that would, you know, indicate a natural cause of some kind. So, yeah, I, I think whatever's going on, it has to be unearthly. So, um, the, uh, the, I don't know if I misunderstood his story, but mm-hmm. it seems like in his story, the thing flew without unfurling its wings. Is yeah. that... Was that your impression of what he was saying? I think. Yeah. That- so that's the case in his story, and also in the story of the woman who was walking a dog and saw it in a park. I see. They saw there was something protruding from its back that looked like wings, and then it sort of burst into the air without, without actually unfurling them. Which interestingly is similar to sightings of Springheeled Jack. What and, is that? That's an. I like that name. Yeah, it's an urban legend from Britain and, God, I, I forget. I'm sure cryptid experts will eat me alive, but I think it was the 1700s or 1800s. Mm. Um, people described sort of a, a demonic-looking person breathing fire and then shooting straight up into the sky. Uh, awesome. Uh, yeah, <laughs> other people described someone wearing an oil skin and a circus performer's outfit and some sort of cape and helmet running around performing seemingly impossible leaps. So, like, the sightings range from superhero to demon. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) given the century, both of those are pretty cool. Right. (laughs) And it's totally inexplicable. Yeah. And it's... I love Spring Hill Jack too, but you know there there are older sightings. There's there's not as many. You yeah, can't what can you, you, do? you know you can't check out the sources in the same right. way. But you know, you know in in that way the sightings are a little bit similar. The springing straight up impossible heights into the sky thing right. is yeah. a hallmark of both of them. Absolutely cool. All right, you're listening to Radio Wasteland uh, as we have listened to our guest Lon Strickler. Don't forget, check out his book on Amazon. His book is Mothman Dynasty, Chicago's Winged Humanoids, and come on back. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland. Next week, we have Ryan Griffiths talking about the haunted UK. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so what does that mean? The, the whole country? Yeah, or- just the, he, he's from England, and so he's going to be talking to us about hauntings uh, there, which I find oh. incredibly interesting because, um, you know, here in America, I don't, I hate calling it America, here in the United States, sure, um, there is no building older than 400 years old. No, that's exactly right. You know, yeah. but when you go to these other places, like, like when I was, uh, you know, 15 years old, I had the chance to go to... Uh, to Japan. Mm-hmm. And I I was in Tokyo and Kyoto. And from Kyoto, I took this trip and we went to uh, these temples at Nikko. And it was crazy to walk through a building that is literally 10 times older than Columbus coming to the United States. Right. Yeah. You know, you're walking through a building that's 4,000 years old. You know, uh, I'm sure it's been rebuilt and blah, 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 and so on and so yeah. forth. I mean, it was made out of wood logs, so, you know. Yeah, in North and South America, there's, you know, there are structures from the Native Americans. But yeah, I guess so. There's pueblos and stuff like that would be old. Yeah, but most yeah. of them aren't still standing. Right, right. And, um, you know, but and they're certainly not still being used. They're, that's an interesting point, though. Those pueblos, I mean, those things are old. 
You know, those They're, things are yeah, really those old. are very old. I I went to Chaco Canyon a while ago, but. and I guess I forgot about you know like uh, Chichen Itza or whatever. You know, those <laughs> things are old. Too, yes, but. The, there were people here who made civilizations before Europe. Well, I knew they but. made civilizations, <laughs> but they didn't make structures in the same way that Westerners. Well, did. many of them did actually. The Southwest Indians, the um. I mean, min- many of them didn't. When we think of Native Americans, I feel like oftentimes we think of like plains types hunting buffalo, or we think of uh, Pacific Northwest types with totem poles. And, yeah, and, I guess you're right. And There's... you know, longhouses made of wood that wouldn't have survived, obviously. But there are a lot of Native American civilizations actually that were complex agricultural civilizations with walled cities and you know stone buildings yeah yeah don't get me wrong i I wasn't doubting the complexity of the civilization i was just um pointing out that the the building style wasn't the same no in the sense that that um in in england like that you know some of your average joes would have a stone house or something like that you know exactly Uh, so it's like it's interesting to hear these hauntings from these places that have so much backstory. Right. And so much you know, how many down history. How many ghosts have got to be packed into those places? Right, you know? totally. Uh, and and that's another thing with um, natives here in the United States and uh, South America is that um, any written history, a lot of that was lost or destroyed or, you know, they did not have a good, a good go right. of it when the Westerners got here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Obviously. Yeah, the problem is, is that... Basically, all of that stuff is is gone now. <laughs> it's wiped out. You know yeah. how, do, how do you say that nicely? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, all this stuff is still there in England, and it's really interesting to hear about it. You know, um, mm-hmm. Nigel Neal, I think, is his name. He was a, he wrote television plays. Name. Yeah, he wrote television plays like in the sixties and fifties in England, and he wrote one called The Stone Tape, which Stone like tape. was about a castle that. Basically, um, the tragedies of the past were written into the stone, like you would write, like you would uh, groove a record. Mm. And yeah. so it was. It was really sort of this interesting take on ghosts hmm. that it wasn't necessarily a haunting in that way, but as the wind blew and things happened, you know, it was basically retelling the sounds and all the stuff that mm. that happened in the tragedies and stuff like that. So I think about Thank that you. a lot. Yeah, it was really creepy. And uh, really cool, and uh, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty excited about this because uh, yeah. you know we're going we're going international. Yeah, radio wasteland crosses the ocean. Yeah, right. you know, so so to speak. So to, right, <laughs> the airwaves do. I guess yeah. you know we're we're still here in Reading, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. So that is next week. Our guest will be Ryan Griffiths talking about haunted UK. Come on back next week. Haunted!